Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test based in Annapolis, Maryland. Reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Hello, welcome back to the CLT offices. We're glad you're here. Today, we're excited to have back again, Dr. Anika Prather, Howard University professor with a group of her humanities students. If this is your first time joining us, I'd like to take a little bit of time to explain what Anchored is. This is a program where our CEO, Jeremy Tate, engages in conversations with leading thinkers on topics at the intersection of education and culture. As always, we at CLT greatly appreciate your feedback, so please rate and review this episode and send any questions or comments to anchored at cltexam.com. Don't forget, the CLT 8 is coming up on March 11th. Registration details can be found on our website, cltexam.com. Now, without further ado, let's get on to the conversation. Welcome back to Anchor, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. For the first time ever, we have a returning guest, the one and only Dr. Anika Prather. Dr. Prather holds a PhD from the University of Maryland College Park, as well as another number of other degrees, including a graduate degree from St. John's College, a graduate institute there in the great books. Dr. Prather is a rising rock star in the classical renewal movement. Um, Dr. Prather, uh, thank you for being here and thank you for being here with some of your students from Howard University as you all discuss uh, the Disrupt Text movement and the place of the classics in the Black intellectual tradition. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. So what we're going to do today, uh, Dr. Prather, is, is kind of listen in as you have a discussion with your class. And we'd love to kind of start off with some introductions uh, to kind of go around the room here so our listeners can know uh, who we're having the, the joy of listening to today. Yes, um, I'll let them introduce themselves. Like, Nia, you want to start? Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nia Anderson, and I'm currently a junior political science major at Howard University, and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, my name is Joseph Andrew Jordan. I am a freshman political science and international affairs double major, um, and I currently reside in Palm Bay, Florida. Hi, my name is Joshua Hughes. I am a freshman and I'm a sociology major at Howard University. And I'm really excited to have these three. Now, Nia was in my class last semester. She's not with me this semester, but I just always enjoyed her insight in the class. Um, and Joshua was also with me last semester as well. Both of them just really contributed a great deal of conversation. Joshua, I'm working on that book list. Joshua told me at the end of last semester that he wanted a list of all the books he needs to read in classics. So I'm working on it. I've uploaded some to my website. Um, and then Andrew is new this year, but I have just, uh, he's in my class this semester. But again, I've enjoyed I think we could almost go over class time, Andrew, when we get to talking in class. So I'm glad these three are here to join us in this conversation today. Great. And, and Dr. Prather, tell us about the class itself. I'd love to hear some details about kind of the syllabus and the kind of text you're, you're reading together. The class is called Humanities One, but I got permission from the head of my department to make it, or my syllabus is called Blacks in Classical Studies. And the purpose of it is to show the relevance of classics to the African-American community. So we start off talking about us in Africa. So a lot of times when people do a Black history, we start at slavery as if our life began in slavery. So it's really important to my students. I let them know we were enslaved people. We were not slaves. That's not our identity. So we start in Africa. 
We talk about the Adinkra symbols. We talk about ancient um, African civilizations. And then we also read classic texts that mention African civilization, like the histories by Herodotus. And we look closely at what those African civilizations were he was referring to, where they're located in the map, what was their makeup. And then we bring in a little bit of Frank Snowden, who did a lot of extensive research on the African civilizations in ancient Greece and Rome. And he also has artifacts that show what we looked like back then based on some of the artwork that was found in archaeological digs. I'm sorry, Nia and Joshua, I didn't get a chance to give that to y'all last semester, but I'm giving it to the, it was a discovery I made after I left you guys. Um, And then we go from Africa into slavery Right at the beginning of the founding of America, we immediately were drawn to reading classics. And that tradition continued all the way up to probably around desegregation. And so I kind of go through different freedom fighters, such as Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, uh, Anna Julia Cooper, Phyllis Wheatley, who used classics as a tool for liberation. And we analyzed those texts, but we cross-referenced them with actual classic texts that they're referring to. So if we're talking about Frederick Douglass, who loves Cicero, if he's referring to Cicero in a text, we'll read that text from Cicero. And we just do that back and forth conversation to show our connection, to show our presence, and to show how these texts were relevant to us here in America. Uh, Dr. Prather, before I, I pass the baton here, I have a question for Nia. I, I'd love to hear maybe just a couple minutes of kind of your big takeaways Uh, from having spent a semester with Dr. Prather? Honestly, I signed up for the class um, Humanities just because, you know, it's a requirement in the College of Arts and Sciences. And I didn't really know exactly what I was getting myself into because I had to kind of do it anyway. But also just putting into perspective that last semester was the first time that I was really doing online school in the midst of the pandemic and everything. It was a hard transition However, Dr. Prather's class was the highlight of my semester as far as my other teachers, just because it was some, she was exposing me to things that I did not really know. One of the biggest takeaways that I learned when it came to the classics was that Black people were involved and relevant when it came to the classics. Before this class, I always thought that um, Black people who are really interested in the classics were really whitewashed and they didn't really. There was no way you could be interested in the classics and be pro-Black, I should say that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, and I, it was something that not necessarily, well, that I grew up knowing, like my family, you know, they would always say like, you know, Shakespeare and stuff like that, that's for white people. But after this class, I was able to understand that the classics were essential to the Black movement when it came to Black liberation, and also not just Black people in general, but specifically Black women. Mm -hmm. Um, Anna Julia Cooper specifically was somebody that I didn't necessarily know before this class. And also Phyllis Wheatley, I had known her, and most people don't really consider her someone who is radical. But after looking at her work, after analyzing it and realizing that, you know, she was really outsmarting a lot of people because she understood the importance of knowing how to get on a certain side capitalize on it and then use it to empower Black people. And that was something that a lot of people didn't necessarily understand at that time. But now looking back on it, we're able to analyze that and realize the true power. She had that knowledge from the jump to understand her power. And now that's something that we can always do, not necessarily 
back then, but also now and in the future. And and I love, remember that discussion we had on her using classics as her Trojan horse. That was probably one of my favorite class discussions. And yeah. I love how you explained that. Like she used classics as a Trojan horse. You know, she's in these white circles. They're thinking she's, thinking she's this exceptional enslaved girl who can understand and read and speak Latin, but she was using it subtly say, hey, Black people, we're from Africa. Like, we're just as smart as you are. Just very empowering work if you read closely. Well, I I think I'm just going to start off by throwing out a question that I'd love all of us just to kind of bounce our thoughts back and forth with each other. What are your, let me start off by this. What are your thoughts about this? I don't know if you all have been social media, in the news, this movement to either remove classics altogether. Um, And when I say classics, I mean texts of ancient Greece and Rome, such as the Odyssey, for example, which, as you know, there was an article about a school removing that from the list. But I also am including great books in this discussion. So all the works of the canon. So when we talk about Shakespeare or um, Augustine or things that are not from ancient Greece and Rome, but are connected to it in their writing. So any of those, um, what do you think personally, as you hear uh, people's views, educators even, who have a lot of respect, are thinking we need to either lessen them or remove them altogether. What are your thoughts on that? If I may, um, I would like to comment first. It kind of piggybacks off of what Nia was previously saying. Before I got to Dr. Brothers class, I wasn't awakened to the Black presence and the classics. And so um, I did have that same mindset as to it's not relevant to us. And if I didn't, if I had not taken her class up to this point and I saw this movement, I would probably agree to take the classics and cancel the classics because it's quote unquote, not um, accommodating to our people. And when I say our people, I mean Black people. But now I am awakened and I understand our place and our presence in history. And it's almost um, disheartening to see that educators would like to take that away from us because they understand that as a Black person, when I can see my face in history and in Herodotus and the histories, I see that my people are called the tallest and most beautiful people in the world at that time. That almost begins to heal the trauma of generations of being told, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're inferior. It begins to heal that. And I begin to become awakened. And now I can pass that torch on to my people and expose them. Yeah. And that makes you feel, I mean, we fight so much for equality. We're doing all of this to fight for equality. When the ancient writers, they wrote where we were placed in history, how things began. You you will, and it's not a competition. Like that's one reason um, W. Du Bois talks about when he goes into that classical world, he, he goes to a place where there's no scorn or condescension, or I'll say in our terms, there's, there's not that competition, that pressure to prove your equality because the ancients are talking about it. Yes, those authors don't look like me, Okay, and they're going to talk about their history, but they're not doing it with the same tainting that racism has done in how people write these days, you know, or after the ancient times where you're writing with the purpose of showing one group of people is superior than another group of people. When you read those classics, you see that constant intersection of people. Even Herodotus, we bring him up again. Uh, Those of you all who are in my class this semester, we charted his travels for him to write those histories. You know, a lot of times people will just sit 
those we all have read the Thomas Jefferson text. So we have that in common. So we read that Thomas Jefferson text. You can tell he's just sitting on his little plantation, drawing his own conclusions about who black people are. Well, Herodotus left the continent and he went to Africa. He went to the Middle East. He engaged with the people and therefore was able to write this more complete perspective on human history. Anybody else have any other things they want to say to that? I think um, when you read classics, it it can bring two people who can be of different cultures together, and it sparks conversation about race. And also, even some of the abolitionists they use, like Frederick Douglass, yeah. like you mentioned, he loved to read Cicero. Yeah, and you know, he wasn't allowed to. He had to sneak and read those books. You bring up a good point. I love what you, what you're, where you're going with that is. Frederick Douglass had to sneak and read it. I think, you know, Jamie, that's why I think I'm having such a hard time. I, I've been, I'm, um, somebody in one of my current classes asked, where, where did this begin? And then you and I, Jeremy, have talked about where did this idea yeah. of new classics, who is starting that, who is behind that? And I did. I've taken some time to visit um, some of the websites just to get a sense. It's a very diverse group of people who are heading that up. People who have um, lots of training and education in comparative literature. They 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 have read the classics themselves. After all the the, the research I've done about the African Americans' journey into reading classics and the fight we had to go through. I'm an immediately defensive about anyone telling me to disrupt anything. Now, I I don't want to, if anyone's listening to me, I hope no one thinks I'm trying to judge anyone or call anyone out. Because um, I feel like people, some people do have really good intentions, you know. But I get nervous when people talk about taking books away from Black people. Because when you read our history, that's one of the main things that was always used against us is taking mm-hmm. books from us. Taking, and these books, if you read closely, they were always classics. And so taking them from us. And 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 the one story that really makes me get nervous about that is Anna Julia Cooper taught classics. That's all of the school, all the students she worked with as a principal of M Street School, she would use classics. And the Board of Education kept trying to make her stop. They kept trying to, and again, I don't want to offend anyone, but I just want you to understand why the word disrupt troubles me. They kept trying to disrupt her from teaching that. And all of those students would go on to be school founders, major scholars. They went to some of the top colleges of the United States. And eventually they fired her because she wouldn't stop teaching it. So when when I when I hear a group of people, even if they're black, even if they're diverse complexion, they've gotten their education. You can tell they have actually read classics. Any person, even if you're white or black, who's at some place of dominance, who's trying to control what the other group, who maybe hasn't arrived there yet, is doing, I get I get real nervous about that. So that's why I am troubled. I can read their vision. I see their mission. They're they're saying this not that they want to cancel all classics. They went. They want to begin to integrate, include more authors and writers. But some of these, a lot of these, some of these books that they're including, although they may be good books, good writing, I'm not sure if some of them are beneficial. You know, Marva Collins mm-hmm. talks about another one of a, a black classical educator. She talks about why she wanted her students to read classics and works uh, inspired by the classics. 
as Joshua said, to help them be able to engage in conversation outside of their neighborhood. Again, I'm not a historian. So if anyone's listening out there, feel free to email and say, you got this fact wrong. But um, but based on what I do know, um, so you have ancient Greece and Rome, and you have this intersection of um, people from all different types of continents. Um, the more um, the West began to dominate society, the more you began, it was a slow evolution, but the more you began to get away from the diversity, the intersection of diverse people kind of dwelling together and doing life together. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to paint a picture of, oh, we were all just one big happy family and there was nothing wrong. There was prejudice and there was probably even a form of racism. But again, as um, Andrew was saying, when you read like the writings of some of these historians and how they describe black people, it was different because they didn't describe us in such inferior terms. Like when we read Thomas Jefferson, he does a really descriptive in his notes on the state of Virginia, a really long description of how we can't we can't foresee danger because we don't really have the sense to foresee, to make wise decisions. And so that's Thomas Jefferson. You're not going to find that in an ancient Greek text. In an ancient text, you're going to hear, and there was slavery. Yes, there was slavery, but it was very different. It wasn't based on race. It was based on people selling themselves into slavery to pay off debt, being conquered. Uh, so, and, and so there was slavery, but in the writings, you're going to see an appreciation for people from Africa. Um, and also from the descriptions, you're going to see that Egyptians look like me. It looked like um, Liz Taylor. Um, and there, so there was this diversity and, and, and people were OK with that. We They were appreciative of that. So uh, but as Greece and Rome, and I think that's probably why classics gets a bad rap, because we begin to see this very slow evolution where the West begins to conquer more and more. Right. And, and before long, a mentality begins to enter into the world where people of lighter complexion, I'm not going to say white yet because we're not there begin to be dominant, begin to position themselves as being superior because they're conquering. And in their conquering, they're not allowing the people they're conquering to hold on to their heritage or their culture. And you have to assimilate to, to survive. And eventually you get to America. Um, although the pilgrims did not come to start slavery, they came for freedom themselves. Not long after getting here, they're taking land from, you know, the land is taken from Native American people. Slavery begins. And I feel like the sin of pride just really took over. And then introducing the whole white black mentality and the thinking that dark skin equals inferiority. And, and that began to shape from that point on with the middle passage and the slave trade and, and feeling that it's okay to go into Africa and just take a child from their mother and take them across the water and, and it should be okay. Um, that mentality of seeing us as less than human began to really permeate the mindset of of, uh, of um, European Americans, which eventually began to call themselves white people and us black people to create that dividing line. So to me, well, I'll just say this. I have started to realize the importance of reading. My parents growing up always told me, you know, you know, people who read, those are the people who are successful, yada, yada, yada. And I feel like the light bulb is finally starting to come on at my age of 20. 
<laughs> and I have just learned that honestly, there's so much, not only history, but answers to life in the book. Yeah. And when you're reading specifically classical texts, it teaches you different principles and different lessons that you can learn in that in that moment, but also apply to your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Things like respect, wisdom, compassion, mm-hmm. love. Yeah. And in these texts, it's something that it's also it's also like an enlightenment in a sense. When you're reading these books, you realize, you know, this is not just a story, but this can be me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that might be why the slave owners didn't want their enslaved people to get that type of history. Because as you can see, when Frederick Douglass was sneaking around, look <laughs> who he became. But as we continue to read and learn and grow, it's something that is empowering because we're able to understand that you know, this country is ours. We created this. And when we really understand that, internalize it, we're able to break those quote unquote glass ceilings that we normally refer to. If I may, I just wanted to hop on that bandwagon real quick. There was something that Nia said continuously, and I hate to be redundant, but empowerment. Knowledge is empowerment. You gain knowledge by reading. We understand that. And so one thing that I was thinking about was when Europeans begin to bring Africans to the New World and the Americas, one thing that was instrumental in keeping our people enslaved and bound was by separating them from their cultures, traditions, and languages and breaking them, conditioning them to begin to take on the European religion. Now, I identify as Christian as well, but begin to bring, um, introduce them to Christianity. But one thing that we understand is that very few slaves were allowed to read the Bible, but most of the times it was taught to them. And yes. so I can teach you how to be a good slave. But like Nia said, if I begin to read the classics, now I'm empowered and I understand my true role side of a slave. Yes. So um, we often um, misinterpret things of the Bible. And I believe that was a lot of what was going on back then is intentional yes. misinterpretations yes. and picking certain things out just to make people believe in a certain system. That right there, that we could almost pass the offering plate on that, Andrew. We could pass the offering plate on that when you said they didn't want us to read the Bible. And that's the same thing with everything, Jeremy, classics. And they wanted us to, they wanted to teach us, this is how you do. But as soon as we read the Bible, you find out, wait a minute, first of all, I'm in here. What I see about classics, which I think is something a lot of people don't understand, even those who may have degrees up to the ceiling, is that classics has the potential of being an equalizer because it is a neutral ground. See, why people think ancient Greece and Rome is their heritage, but it's not. And I hope no one's offended. I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm not. Please, please don't be offended. I'm just saying it's so far removed from all of us. It's not the, you know, the European that we think of today. That's not their heritage. Okay. And it's not black. It's not black people's heritage necessarily. So it's like this, this neutral space of these foreign people who wrote about human history where the problem lies. You said it is that white people were telling black people what to believe about the Bible or in other things. When we read everything, Frederick Douglass says, I want to write and read everything the master has. Look, at he became an ambassador. 
from being a slave. Anna Julia Cooper became a principal. So you, what you see is this pattern when you read classes. See, a lot of people don't tell you that. And, and Nia was touching on this. When you read, you see a, a pattern. Phyllis Wheatley is a good example. She's right there. I mean, Phyllis Wheatley knew George Washington. They have letters they've written to each other. So what you see is this pattern. When you have a black person come here in America and they get their hands on a classic, there's an over, there's a pattern. Every time they become a freedom fighter and every time they buck the system and every time they overthrow the racist system, every time. That's scary, but should we be afraid of it? Or should we all come to a place where we really want to heal our nation? And the only way we can heal our nation is if we're all coming together as equals. And then going back to Andrew's point about that the slave master was teaching, and I just want to put a plug in here about teaching classics. It can't be your now if you're so the problem is not the text or the body of knowledge of classics. The problem is how it is taught. That is the problem. So when we talk about disrupt text or removing text or changing a book list, and I'm not against reading all types of literature. I'm not saying that you should only read classics. But when you do that, you're not really addressing the issue. There's a heart problem in how some people teach. There's an intention. I was reading it in Miseducation of the Negro. And unfortunately, even though it was written way back when, I experienced that in K-12. But when you teach classics where we're there, we're equal, we're engaged in the discussion about the human story, that's when you get empowerment. And that's scary for some. So well said. Uh, Final question, and this is for everyone except Dr. Prather. We always end the Anchor podcast with this question of, of a book, a text, perhaps, hopefully it was one maybe that you encountered in Dr. Prather's class um, that has been profoundly formative, influential to you on your thinking. I'll just shout out the text that I referenced earlier, um, Herodotus and the Histories. The first week we read it, I wasn't too interested in it, but the second week, it really was an awakening moment for me. I was sitting in the airport coming home and I was like, wow just to see myself, because I think if you look at all across the diaspora, I'll I'll just reference the Caribbean because that's my heritage. In the Caribbean, you have the Black people who are the majority there, but there are other groups who came there. But the Black people was the only group that lost their culture, their African culture. And we have lost our culture, African-Americans and children of the diaspora outside of Africa. We have lost our African heritage and our culture And I think to just be exposed to the works that Dr. Prather is um, exposing us to really helps us to connect with that and to begin to come into knowledge of who we are in in this grand scheme of things. A text for me that I remember reading in Dr. Prather's class last semester was Anna Julia Cooper's Voice from the South. Anna Julia Cooper was trying to relate to to the women from the South, even though she, you know, she was on her journey of becoming educated. And eventually when she did become educated, I liked how she was trying to uplift the community and she did not look down. She wanted, she wanted to bring them up with her and say, you know, we can do this together. Dr. Prather, again, thank you so much for being with us again. We're here with uh, Dr. Anika Prather, Uh, and some students from Howard University, Andrew Jordan, Nia Anderson, and Joshua Hughes. Uh, Students, you've got a great teacher. Have a, a great rest of your semester. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share with friends and colleagues. Look forward to having you join us next week.